The Distraction, hosted by former Deadspin writers Drew McGarry and David Roth, is a new sports podcast coming from Defector and Stitcher. Join the guys and their guests as they break down the week in sports while addressing their fair share of off-the-field issues. Whether it's discussing NBA players getting testy in the bubble, Bill Belichick cutting 80% of his roster just to keep himself interested, or horrifying takes from sports talk radio that need to be broken down, Drew and Roth are ready to serve you some hot sports action. But do stick around for a few extra distractions. You deserve them. Listen and subscribe to The Distraction, a Defector podcast, right now in Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. Maybe I'm crazy, but I enjoy Gemini Man more than the Joker. Boom. <laughs> we're just, we're going to start with that. Maybe I'm crazy, maybe I'm crazy, maybe I'm not. Welcome to Maybe I'm Crazy. I'm Joy Taylor. Uh, maybe I am crazy, but that's just how I feel. And, you know, I got to keep it real all the time. And we'll talk about it later, but that's, uh, we'll talk about it later, but that is really what's, that's how I feel. Um, that's my conviction. And I, I just have to be honest with you because, you know, you take the time to listen to what I have to say. So I have to keep it real. And Gemini Man was a more enjoyable film overall uh, than, than The Joker. We'll talk about it later, though. Uh, we also talked to Jane Slater of NFL Network. She is in Dallas right now. She's all the scoops on the Cowboys and uh, everything that's going on with them. Everyone's panicking, uh, and rightfully so, because, look, they should be playing better than they are. But they are 3-3 three three still. Eagles game this weekend is very important. We'll talk about the Jets, uh, my stupid Dolphins. LeVar Ball has some things to say. Uh, there's a new Catwoman. We'll talk about that later as well. The Browns and the Saints. Um, but let's get started with, wait, before we get started, Donnie, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm legitimately sorry. Like, I felt for you last night watching that disaster of a, of a performance by the referees. How Are you okay? I'm fine. Like I said, I expected this. Now, I did remember that, that you said that. I was like, well, he's probably upset, but he did have very low expectations for what was going to happen. So maybe he's not that upset. I was upset for about five minutes, but then I quickly got over it. I watched 90 Day Fiance, and I was fine. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, that show is fascinating to me, which is why I can't take too much time to watch it because <laughs> it's frustrating. But uh, good choice by you by Thank not you. being upset because uh, you know life is short and just, just enjoy yourself. Um, but I did feel for the cow or for the um, for the lions. Uh, it just felt like like little brother. Like come on, man. And then two, and he's never had one of those penalties before in his career. Yeah. How does that happen? That said, watching it live, I kind of – it's one of those calls where it's like live, it really looks like it. He's got like a like loose Bakhtiari's neck. Like Bakhtiari's head was back like yeah. this. He does have a loose neck, right? Good stretching. Um, good on him. And he's got the hair too, so it makes it a little yeah, more dramatic. Yeah, it's like, wild. Like, it's like, crazy. Like, you know, uh, yeah, like the sweat comes off. All right, well, I'm sorry. Uh, but, you know, maybe, we'll get him that, maybe next time. It's all good. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Matthew Stafford, huh? I still can't – can't, can't get it done there. He'll be there next year, though. Um, but let's get started with Jane Slater. All right, Jane Slater is joining us, NFL Network reporter. She is in Dallas right now, which is the the center of panic in the NFL. Uh, I actually picked the Cowboys to go to the Super Bowl, partly because I want them to go to the Super Bowl, because Fox has a Super Bowl and I'm a selfish company woman. But I also think that they have a very talented team, and uh, they just lost to the winless Jets um to Sam Darnold coming off uh the the kissing kissing sickness and everyone's freaking out so what's the what's the mood around the Cowboys right now the one thing that I'll say about the Cowboys is 
regardless of what's going on, Dak Prescott seems to always have this sense of self. In other words, I've never seen the guy outwardly panic. And if you talk to his teammates, they say that's the one thing that really galvanized them their rookie season. Here was this fourth round pick who was the fourth guy on the roster. I always remind people, Jamil Shower, the guy who ended up playing defense, was the third string quarterback behind Tony Romo and Kellen Moore. Dak just seemingly stepped into the role and was able to inspire this feeling in Dallas that in the past with Tony Romo, and people forget this, you know, history is always kinder to people. The knock on Romo was that he would find ways to lose at the end of games. Dak is a guy that, and you've seen him come out, you know, regardless of the deficit in the third quarter. I mean, he was perfect in his third quarter comebacks until I believe it was two weeks ago. Um, He was able to just come out and galvanize the team. And when he would talk to the players, he would find ways to at least make you think you could pull off the game. And and in a lot of cases, we've seen this fourth quarter comeback, he was able to get it done. I still think that they're going to benefit from from that joy. But I think the problem is when you start looking at some of these, these injuries, they're beginning to pile up. And when I was out there doing the show with you guys and I talked about this team, I was like you. I thought sky was the limit. This was one of the most talented rosters the Cowboys had put together in years. Um, everyone was focused on the need for Ezekiel Elliott. And we talked about finally creating so much depth in some of these positions. But when I'm looking at a guy like Amari Cooper who is dealing with not only quad and ankle injuries, now he's got this, you know, this thigh quad contusion. doesn't look like he's going to be able to go against the Eagles. You look at Randall Cobb, he's still dealing with some back tightness. We'll see how he is. Tyron Smith has been breaking down in recent years. And so now you've got a guy who's, we don't know if that ankle is going to be an issue. He's a apparently being evaluated on a daily basis. They're hoping he can practice at some point this week. Then you've got Lel Collins, their other offensive tackle. And then, oh, by the way, not just one, but two cornerbacks, Byron Jones and Anthony Brownell. You've got your defensive endurance, Armstrong, who's dealing with a stinger. And then you've got Tyron Crawford that just now went on season-ending surgery. Uh, He's going on IR because he's got a hip injury that they're going to have to now deal with. So, when we're talking about significant loss of starters. They ended that game against the Jets without six. Uh, I'd like to say that this is a team that we look at San Francisco and Seattle that's able to overcome a lot of these injuries, but we're talking significant injuries to significant starters. Yeah, it's it's really, when you talk about all the injuries and you're listing them, it's sounding a little bit like uh, the Chiefs because everyone's panicking about the Chiefs right now and it's kind of like when it comes to the Chiefs, everyone's like, well, you know, they're, they're having some struggles, but it's, it's just injuries. Where when it comes to the Cowboys, it's like, yeah, they have some injuries, but they also still have, like, Dak's just not ready and Dak's just not the guy. And I appreciate you saying that about Romo as well because, you know, uh, you're right. And I've said that about Romo for a long time and I always get pushback from, uh, from Romo lovers, but that's just the truth. Like, I feel like Dak is a more clutch quarterback, whatever you want to do with clutchness, but he has had them come back in these games that they've lost and they've showed, like, some heart and fight. So it's not like they just got blown out and laid down, but all of those injuries are playing a major role. I also think that they're having a real issue with the running game. So what, what's the issue with Zeke? Is it just the offensive line? You know, I think the offensive line is an issue. I think some of it is, you know, teams have figured out his game a little bit. Uh, but I think the curious thing is, you know, we were looking at all of this pre-snap motion, the creativity from Kellen Moore. 
uh, in the first three games. And that's where all of us said, that's what we were seeing at camp. That's what we've been telling you guys about. That is, you know, this is a different offense. It looks better than Scott Linehan's. Kellen Moore is the innovator. He's the answer to Sean McVay. And then now all of a sudden they're looking vanilla again. Now, again, I think the argument that I've gotten when I've talked to a bunch of these guys was, of course, we had to run the ball because Dak is getting killed out there. Uh, it was very uh, similar to, if you'll remember, when Chaz Green was in that Atlanta game. One of the, if you Google it, it's like one of my favorite, it's not my favorite images. People aren't going to like when I say that. But one of the more, I, I thought, interesting images and one that will always be burned in my mind was someone had done a, it was a graph of every way that Dak had been sacked by Atlanta. Uh, which has green in the game. And it looked like something from like Dante's Inferno. Like that's how bad it was. Um, he's getting killed back there now. They do have depth and that offensive line. Maybe they'll be able to gel with another week. We did see that they would slowly, you know, when they lost guys like Travis Frederick and Tyron Smith and Zach Martin in the past, it would take them about a week or two to sort of get into a groove. And, you know, I do have faith in guys like uh, Cameron Fleming and, you know, they've got, the one guy that hasn't that we haven't seen anything from is the rookie that they went and got uh, the kid out of Penn State. Uh, we haven't seen him this year, uh, but it is going to be interesting to see if they're going to be able to get this thing together. Because I'm looking at the schedule, Joy, and this is where this is concerning. When we were talking about Zeke not being a part of this team, a lot of people thought, well, Zeke's going to have to come back in Week Seven if he wants this season to count. And you know, the Cowboys are going to be able to get through the first half of this schedule: Giants, Redskins, Dolphins. You know, Saints might be tough. Packers might be tough. They'll get past the Jets, and then, you know, we'll see how they do against the Eagles when they have a bye. Now let's look at the schedule after the bye week, after the Eagles. Right. They're at the New York at, They're at the New York Giants, which, okay, they don't have Saquon Barkley, and they don't have a lot of their key players, but I think they're going to look a little bit different than they did when they saw them with Eli Manning. Then you've, got a, then you've got the Vikings here. Then they're at the Lions, at the Patriots, and this is where this thing gets ugly. This is Murder's Row. Starting November 12th, week 12, they've got, they're at the Patriots, then they've got the Bills here for a Thanksgiving game, then they go to Chicago on December 5th for a night cold game, and then you've got the Rams here, then they're at the Eagles and Philly, and then they've got the Redskins on the 29th. So I think this thing's going to get tricky for them. Um, you know, I think it's the health is going to be an issue. Um, they're going to need some depth back. I will say that, you know, keep in mind last year, they were three and four, I believe it was, before the bye. They made all those changes during the bye week. They fired their offensive line coach. They made a trade for Amari Cooper, and then they ended up becoming the NFC champs. I think the NFC is going to be a little bit easier for them when you consider the Giants, the Redskins, Philly. Uh, but when you look at the NFC in general, this is tricky for them this year. And it's, like I said, especially when you consider the schedule, this is the first year in franchise history where they don't have back-to-back home games. They're on the road every other week. Yeah, the schedule is definitely brutal. And it's funny that you mentioned uh, that Chaz Green game. I will never forget that uh, (laughs) ever. It was staggering to watch. Um, And I'm sure that that – I haven't seen that graphic, but I'm I'm sure it perfectly uh, encapsulates how everyone felt that Chaz Green game. Uh, I do – how much – I felt like Dak should have been paid at the beginning of the season. I – fully believe that Dak deserves all of the money and he should get all of the money because despite whatever struggles they're having now, he's had tremendous success with them. And he's always compared to Carson Wentz. 
um, for, you know, for multiple reasons. But he's, in my opinion, I mean, it's not in my opinion. He's had a more successful career so far than Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz got paid. I don't understand what the issue is with Dak. But the way that the season is going, do you think that it's going to affect Dak's contract situation? Well, everyone um, decided to, uh, specifically his agent, Todd France, came out and um, absolutely denied that his camp was asking for $40 million. And I continue to stand by that report. That was the initial ask, no different than when Ezekiel Elliott went to the Cowboys, and I was told his initial ask was somewhere around the $19 million range. It's a starting point. The goal was obviously to get the Cowboys to somewhere like 35 there's no question that the Cowboys don't want to start over. They believe Dak's their guy. Um, he's the he's the face of the franchise. And I it, it's it's I went to the University of Texas, and I always describe it this way: not just anybody can go be the head coach at the University of Texas for the same reason. Not just anybody can be the the quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys. You're you're sort of like pitch man, politician slash player or coach, depending on what scenario we're going to apply this to. A guy like Dak Prescott, who toes the company line, is the perfect pitch guy. You should see him work a room. He's everything the Cowboys want. He's not getting into trouble off the field. You know, he's a leader in the locker room. He's the guy that's taking them on, you know, team bonding trips in the offseason to develop chemistry with his receivers, et cetera. He's everything you want. But I would argue that if he had gotten his contract done before camp, I think he would have been in the $33, $34 million range. Depending on how this season goes, I feel like he's going to lose a little leverage. Yeah, I mean, I think he's definitely losing leverage too. And and again, I don't get too crazy about the number because the number is the number. Like once the right. once the market is set, that's what he's going to be paid as a franchise quarterback. People freak out about how much these guys are paid. Like it's the it's next man up and the next guy's going to get more money and that's just how it works. So it's a, it's a little different than, you know, say baseball or even the NBA, which has, you know, more of a soft salary cap. There, there's always going to be a limit, but at the end of the day, he's your quarterback and they're not getting a new quarterback. So to me, the, the argument about whether like to move off of Dak, it's like, like, just stop. You sound silly. That said, there is a serious conversation about Jason Garrett. Now, I don't think that Jason Garrett is Andy Reid or Bill Belichick or Pete Carroll, but he's fine. And I, I'm very against firing coaches in the middle of the season. I think it sends a terrible message around the league. I think it, I think it completely demolishes your, uh, your season and your locker room. And it just and completely, it's a, it's a bad look all around. It doesn't help anyone. Like, just let them finish the season, fire them with grace, move on. You're not moving on to a new coach in the middle of the season. You're not, like, getting ahead of the coaching search. Um, and it's the, it's, the, it's the Dallas Cowboys. Now, I don't believe Jason Garrett will be fired midseason. Uh, I don't know if you agree. I agree. But I th- okay, yeah. Like, I, I just think it's nonsense to even have that conversation. It's not going to happen. But is he there next season? If they say they don't make the playoffs – is he there next season? Well, and look, I think it's valuable for us to walk your listeners through why you might believe that and why I believe it. And I'll, and I'll tell you why I believe. They gave him a one-year deal for a reason. They didn't give him a six-month deal. They gave him a one-year deal that they could in good faith say, Jason, we gave you another season. We also gave you everything that you wanted. In other words, if you wanted if you wanted. Kellen Ward of your offensive, you know, your, to your quarterback's coach last year, we gave it to you. Then we made this change, and he is your, you know, offensive coordinator. Although I would submit that that wasn't all J.C. Garrett. That was Jerry Jones. But 
they've given him pieces along the way and autonomy. And for the most part, they've stepped off and said, Jason, this is your team. We're going to support you publicly. Show us what you can do. Uh, when I've talked to them privately, and I'm talking Stephen Jones, I'm talking Jerry Jones, this, the feeling I always get following our conversations on that very issue, because we've had seasons like this with Jason Garrett pop up in the past, it's sort of this, they feel comfortable with the devil that they know. And Jerry was on 105.3 The Fan here. You know, he and Stephen Jones talk on The Fan, uh, the local radio sports talk show, once, twice a week. Um, and it was last week that Jerry Jones said, I wouldn't make a wager um, if I were you. In other words, wager against Jason Garrett that he would get fired. Right. I wouldn't put a wager on that. And then today, I thought he had a lot of interesting things to say. He said he's involved into what I think is a top-notch coach. He would be sought after if he was on the open market, and I believe that. Justine Anderson, I actually like had a Twitter battle over this <laughs> last year um, because she submitted that there wouldn't be teams that would be interested. And my argument back was, so you're telling me teams like the Cincinnati Bengals or Arizona if things don't turn around or Miami go down the list if Jason Garrett is out there on the open market you don't think one of those teams could come after him he's only had one losing season the whole time he's been in doubt no he would absolutely get hired yeah that would be completely okay with that and I would also argue that the reason why he remains in Dallas and and Jerry hinted on this today there is a discipline about him there is a way that he goes about things and other there's a continuity about him and I'm trying to find the quote to give it to you best but he literally said what I've been arguing to people for so long in other words he's never lost the locker room it always seems like no matter what these guys continue to play for him here's what he said he said we all need a certain order and discipline he creates that you can't separate that from the coach and the person he's a top-notch individual with who happens to be a good coach he wouldn't be our coach for 10 years if he didn't have a lot of qualities to coach and then he also said if I totally agreed with Garrett's philosophy, he wouldn't be the head coach. And I believe that. And I believe that because, again, I think it goes back to Jerry sees these guys buy in. Like, if you're looking for – this locker room is so uniquely finally his. I mean, there were guys in the past that, you know, they'd go and they'd say crazy things to the media and they were emotional, et cetera. These guys now, like, you're not going to get them to say much. Like, you're not getting guys that are saying – you if you've noticed, there's not a lot of leaks come out of that locker room for players which is not yeah uh and i believe that's because they are protecting and buying in to jason garrett now do i believe that they feel like he's the best guy to run this offense etc things along those lines not necessarily i've talked to former players that absolutely are not a fan of the way that he calls plays go down the list but in terms of being the head coach saying the right things inspiring the team to that there's a process to buy into that process, to do things the right way, to be men of character. Those are all the things that Jerry and Steven like about him, and that's why he's continued to stay in Dallas. And he's also never tried to go out there and undercut the Jones family. There's not really an ego that comes with Jason Garrett, and they've dealt with ego at head coach in the yeah. past. Yeah, and that's, uh, that's very important in Dallas but I, I like that the devil you you know is better than the devil you don't but um thanks so much for joining us Jane I really appreciate it um you are an expert and excellent and we love watching you on NFL Network and we love when you are in town and you come on the shows especially on the herd thank you so much for having me on joy anytime okay thanks Jane 
Are you ready for what's ahead? You can't always predict the future, but you can game plan for it. Generations of families and businesses have harnessed the power of Pacific to help them reach their unique goals. Whether you need to save enough money to meet your needs, ensure your family is protected, or make sure you don't run out of money, Pacific Life has a variety of financial solutions that can help. Pacific Life counts more than half of the 100 largest U.S. companies as its clients and has been named one of the 2019 world's most ethical companies by Ethisphere Institute, protecting what matters most to people for 150 years and counting, that's the power of Pacific. Ask a financial professional about how Pacific Life can help you game plan for your future or visit PacificLife.com. With it. We about to turn up in this All right, Heller, what am I winning or quitting today? Today, we give thanks to the Lord for our new hashtag saints. With that blessing, the Pope Francis and a stifling defense, the Saints moved to 5-1 and one with a win over the Jacksonville Mustaches. They are now 4-0 under the Bridgewater as well. Joy, the new Saints are the best team in the NFL. Wit it or quit it. Very clever writing by you. Thank you. I can see why you're in the business. Um, particularly liked the under the Bridgewater. Mm. Very good. I thought I was going Great a little e- over the top there, nope. but... Excellent song. Perfect. Good reference. Um, and if you don't know what he's talking about with Pope Francis, uh, Pope did the Pope did an oopsie, and he tweeted out uh, he was trying to give props to some new saints, um, which I didn't know they were still doing. But apparently, uh, that's still available. You know, you can be the president if you're a uh, you know reality TV star, and <laughs> yeah. you can also apparently still become a saint. So there's still time out there for you guys to turn your life around. But he was I was giving shout out to new saints, I think. And he wrote hashtag Saints, and of course hashtag Saints belongs to the New Orleans Saints because you know the NFL stole that along with Sundays. Um, so that's what that, that. And of course, he, so he gave it. He gave it a blessing to the Saints. So there's no way they were going to lose. Yeah. If, we, if you'd seen that before the game, you should have ran to your quickest, uh, you know, available computer or mobile device and put some money on the Saints because I mean, yeah. come on. But that that said, with it, they are stacked and they continue to win games with finesse and convincingly, and they're doing it without their future Hall of Fame quarterback, which is probably the most impressive part. Now, in fairness, Teddy, it, it felt dramatic when Drew Brees went out. Like, everyone kind of freaked out. We're like, oh, my God, season's over, is it? We don't know how long he's going to be out for. But Teddy Bridgewater is not a backup quarterback. He is, in fact, a starting quarterback. He was in the Pro Bowl before he got injured. In 2015, they lost the Seahawks in the wild card round, so he's played a playoff game. And then he had, a, he had an unbelievable season, obviously. He went to the Pro Bowl. And then he tore his ACL. And nobody knew what was going to happen after that. And everyone was freaking out. It was like RG3. And like we didn't see him again. And now we're seeing him again. And we're being reminded that he is, in fact, a starting quarterback. I don't think that he will actually be with the Saints next year because he's had such an incredible performance. They'll probably end up trading him to somebody that needs a starting quarterback and get some pieces to, to re-up for next year. Uh, so good for him. He's had an incredible incredible year and done an amazing job. That said, that's just Teddy Bridgewater who's, who's holding it down. Cam Jordan, who plays a lot. He reminds me a lot of my brother. If you don't know who my brother is, it's Jason Taylor, uh, 15 years Hall of Famer, uh, first ballot. But Big he compliment. D- uh, he, I mean, huge, huge compliment, uh, which I do not give out lightly. But just watching Ever. him like come off the edge like that, he's just he's inc- he is incredible. He's in an amazing season. Also, obviously Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara, Marshawn Lattimore, uh, Jared Cook's been having great games. Ted Ginn Jr., Taysom Hill is like this unbelievable phenomenon. Like they are completely stacked. They're 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 great. And this is part of the reason why I didn't think they were going to take a huge step back this year. A lot of people thought it was going to be this whole emotional hangover from that stupid god awful call in the Rams game, which we did have to talk about for way too long. And thank God we're all over that now. 
um, which is wonderful. But they're, they've had great wins, too. They beat the Texans, who will win their division, and Deshaun Watson is in the MVP conversation right now. Seahawks, Wilson's in the MVP conversation with Deshaun Watson. The Cowboys, my Super Bowl pick, mm. so that's special. The Bucks are in division, so that always matters. The Jags are not an easy out anymore with, you know, uh, Minshew mustache magic. And then now they have at the Bears, the Cardinals, and then the bye. So Drew Brees is talking about coming back against the Cardinals. I do think this Bears, this Bears game is going to be interesting. Um, it's not going to be easy. I still think they win, but at, playing at Chicago is never a joke. The Cardinals game, I mean, come on. Like, let's just all calm down for a second. But I don't think that Drew Brees should come back before the bye. It doesn't matter. Teddy Bridgewater's been playing out of his mind. They're they're they're. Even if they lose to the Bears, he should not come back before the before the bye. Just take the extra week. Make sure that you are a thousand percent. It's a nice transition point into the back part of the season, and then they have the Falcons and at the Bucks. Like the fact that they're doing all this without two breezes is incredible. I do think they're the best team in the NFL right now, and I realize the Patriots are still also undefeated, and they are still playing amazing. But I think the Patriots have bigger holes in their roster than the Saints do. Again, that without having their future Hall of Fame quarterback out there on the field. So Saints number one to me right now, obviously Patriots close behind, but I love what I'm seeing out of the Saints. I like the Saints so much. Should I, I don't even know if I want to say, I don't even know when I'll put this out in the universe. Cause it's like, I don't want the Patriots in the Super Bowl Like so I will be so bleeping disappointed and angry if the Patriots in the Super Bowl. I just can't, I don't want to watch another Patriots Super Bowl in my lifetime. We've seen enough, but the Saints are so fun that if it was Saints-Patriots, I might be able to tolerate it. Maybe. Did the Patriots next? win, though? Uh. No! <laughs> All right. Uh, speaking of not winning, winning the Super Bowl, uh, Jarvis Landry is frustrated by losing, Joy. Mm. The Browns' best receiver opened up to reporters on Monday saying that, quote, most of everything the Browns have struggled with has been self-inflicted. Joy, the Browns are not feeling dangerous or each other at all, wit it or quit it. Wit it. They aren't feeling dangerous, and anytime you're losing, chemistry is the first thing that comes up. They're, the Browns are, are the Browns, again. I know Browns fans get angry at me anytime I say anything negative about the Browns, but I'm just I'm just keeping it real. And I thought the Browns were a wild card team. That's kind of still available. The AFC North is still available if you want to start winning some games anytime soon. Um, <laughs> but they're a disaster right now. Like, everyone is is coming for them. And Jarvis Landry also said, like, talent wins games. Teams win championships. Mm. And we have to find ways to play together. We already know Jarvis has bars because we saw him in Hard Knocks. And, you know, he had the famous oh. quotes, uh, contagious. Oh, it's contagious, bro. bro. Contagious. Oh, my God. And he's right. He is right. That those, is those types of attitudes – are in fact contagious, which is why I hate tanking, and which because uh, that kind of attitude is contagious. It permeates Bro. throughout the entire organization. It doesn't just affect the players; it affects the coaches, it affects the coaches' families, it affects the front office, it affects fans. It's awful. It's contagious, and so we know Jarvis has bars when it comes to this anyway. And the whole rah rah of feeling dangerous and chip on the shoulder and all that stuff that only goes so far. Eventually, you do have to win games with that. Uh, bravado stuff and winning is all that matters and you have an opportunity this year of all years the Ravens have been inconsistent the Bengals are I mean come on we don't we don't talk about the Bengals around here and Pittsburgh is on their third string quarterback 
So I mean, like here, like take it, take yeah, the ass yeah. it's yours to take. Like you got all, you got all this shit with you. Let's go. And I want them to, like, I want the Browns to be good and competitive. It's not good. I don't like having conversations about teams not being competitive. That's not fun for me. I would much rather talk about who's gonna win and it actually be a real conversation instead of like a fluke. But Baker's looks worse at playing football this year. Like we can all just say it. He's been super inaccurate. Hella interceptions. I mean, this year. He's got 56.6 completion percentage. That's not good. Five touchdowns to 11 interceptions. What the hell, bro? I mean, yes, I understand <laughs> the offensive line is, is not great, but come on. Like, Dak Prescott isn't playing that badly. Like he's, I mean, there's some questions out there, but he is, he's, I mean, we were talking to Jane earlier. He's like two offensive linemen. <laughs> like yeah. literally might just do beat. They might have to just put two guys out there and like say good luck. It's not a good situation. You have to overcome stuff. That's part of the NFL. Everyone wants Odell to be the savior, but uh, just as a reminder to everyone, Julio Jones, excellent receiver, probably the best in the NFL. He plays in Atlanta. They're awful. So he plays a dependent position. It doesn't matter how much talent he is. We all know how great Odell is. He's not going to save this team. The Browns are one of the six teams in the NFL without a home win this season. That's in company with the Dolphins, not a good team. Redskins, not a good team. Bucks, not a good team. Bengals, I mean, what, I'm not going to waste my breath on that. And the Titans, that's, that's the crew that you're rolling with right now. So they, need, they just need to be better. Freddie Kitchens looks over his head, which is fine. He should be over his head. He's new at this. He's learning. The problem is... They'll probably panic and fire him at the end of the season. And then Baker's going to be on his fourth head coach. In two years. Yeah. In two years, yeah. which is so Browns. Like, I will be in shock if Freddie Kitchens makes it through the entire season next year. So chemistry is always where everyone goes when teams are struggling. I don't know how to fix the Browns, um, but it doesn't get any better because they're on a bye this week. And then they get to come back and get a comfortable L handed to them <laughs> by the Patriots in New England. And then they're two and five. So... I don't know how it gets any better for the Browns. I'd like it to. I'd like the Browns to be better, Cleveland. I'm not saying this because I don't take any happiness in this situation, which is a lot for me, okay, because I'm from Pittsburgh and I should be very, very happy with this. But I don't want the Browns to be bad because I like Baker. I think he's great for the league, and it's better if they're playing better. I, piling on Baker is going to become a cottage industry, and I don't need it. It already exists, and I would like for them to be good so then we can have actual conversations. But 2-5 and five is probably what it's looking like. <laughs> Hear ye, hear ye. LeVar Ball is petty. We love you, LeVar. Undefeated, never lost. Um, I'm not wearing my crown today because I don't want to mess up my hair, quite frankly. Um, LeVar ain't going nowhere uh, on you fools. He is around. Y'all thought it was over. Ha. Undertaker on that ass. He ain't going nowhere. Uh, might I remind you that uh, while you guys were all, you know, so excited that everything was happening with Big Baller Brand, it's not dead. And Lonzo, uh, he has said that Lonzo and LaMelo are not signing with Nike. LaMelo is the important part. So you guys thought it was all over and then you forgot that, oh, LaMelo, LaMelo Ball's really good. He's probably going to be, he is going to be the best of the Ball brothers. He will probably be the number one overall pick it really just depends on who gets the number one overall pick and if they need a point guard but he's balling out in australia which we already knew um he's going to be a top three pick for sure no matter what even if he isn't the number one overall pick he's going to be a superstar in the league and Lonzo's going to have long-term success with zion in new orleans so ball family here today uh hello decided to wear his big baller brand shirt today probably in in uh celebration of the story it was on accident but I wear it regular because, you know. We'll go with that story, too. Yeah, for um, the brand. Either way, he's like, LeVar is still here to stay, and you're going to have many more years of this because, as I said, LaMelo is really good. As far as how the, the big baller brand situation is going to work out and if they are going to sign with Nike or not, that I am not too sure of. 
um, because, you know, Lonzo did kind of had some things to say about how his playing went in the shoes. He had changed him every quarter. Uh, we'll see how that goes. But I think the, the brand lives on. And, uh, yeah, LeVar ain't going nowhere on you fools. All right, high key, Sam Darnold is back. He no longer has the kissy. And low key, that boy good. I got, damn, homie, I was wrong like that on Sam Darnold. Like, I thought that Sam Darnold was bad, but I just, I didn't think he was that good. But he's, 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 that boy good. I mean, he's clearly the whole pulse of that team. Uh, now, they do deserve to be shunned for their offensive performance without him because there are a lot of teams with backup quarterbacks out there that did not look as bad as the Jets did without him. But a uh, great first win. Um, the line is way too high against the Patriots this week. They're getting nine right now, according to Fox Bet, I believe. Uh, I'll take those points. Thank you. Um, by the way, uh, not I mean, you should probably pay attention to my picks. I'm just saying. I'm pretty good. Crushing it. I'm pretty good. Um, yeah, Sam Darnold was incredible. I'm glad he's back. And this is why the Jets were never they, – they, I never considered them to be a bad team. Like, it's just there's nothing to take from the performances without Sam Darnold. And clearly, he is the guy. Like, he's he's changed life in New York. Now we can all believe in the Jets again. And, uh, I mean, I don't think they're going to have a rousing performance against the Patriots, but I don't think that they're nine-point underdogs. Um, that said, like, wow, the Jets – I mean – really you do deserve some credit for how bad you were without him because he he i mean he he demolished the cow the cowboys he made the cowboys look like a college team um high key dan the 49ers are good mm. low-key wtf happened to the rams mm -hmm. those Niners boys look good <laughs> they look good congrats congrats to t congrats heller home game it looked like say, out there I will. Yeah, uh, that's just embarrassing. I mean, not, so I don't much talk red. about it, but it's yeah. I mean, this is this is a photo. Uh, that's what we have on the screen. Here's a photograph mm. of the. Uh, got this photos now. Actually, a home game for the Rams. You wouldn't think so because there's no Rams. Well, there's there's one right there. Yeah. And I think um, there's a small patch here of some blue. Uh, and then there's like a guy right there, but the rest are all 49ers fans. Could be and Dodgers hats too, you know. Like could it, be what? Dodgers hats, you know. They could, you know. True. They, you know, just... uh, but I doubt you were gonna wear a Dodgers hat and a Niners jersey. Like that ain't the swag. You'd be surprised. But... I will, the 49ers <laughs> though, yeah, that's true. Never, I, <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, 49ers though are one of the most fun teams to watch, just traditionally when they're swaggy. Because everybody kind of has a good level of respect for the 49ers because Montana was the pre-goat who's now been passed by the new goat, mm. but he's he's OG goat. And so everyone has, a, and Jerry Rice obviously is the goat. Um, so there's a very, there's a very like steady, I feel respect for the 49ers. It's not fun when the 49ers aren't good. And this, this particular group of 49ers are very swaggy and very fun to watch. The defense looks incredible. They've got six first round picks on the defensive side, which is staggering. Obviously they're five and zero. they're top the NFC West. Um, I really grossly underrated them this year, and I'm very embarrassed about that. I apologize. Um, Robert Salah is a huge football guy. My dude loves tackles and Gatorade. That dude loves so – he, he might have Gatorade with dinner. I wouldn't be surprised. So good at yelling. He is – I mean, he's So good at yelling. But I love it. It's fun. Like, yeah. it's swaggy. It's yep. fun. They're fun to watch. They're playing incredible. The Rams, however, are a mess. Um, Jared Goff has having to throw a million times per game prior to this game, and he had 78 yards against the Niners, which is along with a few attempts this season. So they don't know what they're doing on the offensive side, which is crazy. Uh, McVay has lost all of his magic or something. Now uh, Tlaib is on the IR. The O-line is a huge problem. They paid everybody, especially Todd Gurley, 
who didn't play against the 49ers. So I don't know what the Rams are going to do. It seems like the season is slipping away from them, which is sad because I like the Rams. Um, High key, the Texans are great now that they have an offensive line. Low key, the Chiefs cannot win a championship with this defense. They, they, They can't. Congrats to the Texans on finally giving Deshaun Watson the opportunity to play quarterback instead of tag. Congratulations on that. He's looked amazing in the last two games, and that's because they've had no sacks mm. in the last two games. So, you know, it's a really strange coincidence when you actually allow Deshaun Watson to go back there and do what he does instead of running around like a crazy person. And the Chiefs, its I mean, it's pretty simple with the Chiefs. Mahomes is injured. He's playing hurt on that ankle. It's very obvious that his ankle is hurt. And he's, he's not the same. He doesn't have the same mobility. And their defense can't stop a drippy nose. <laughs> They're on the field all day. Like you, it doesn't even matter. Even if Mahomes was 100% healthy, he's on the sideline. So he does. It serves you no purpose. He, in the last two games that they've lost, he's had 10 minutes less on the field than the games they won. It's pretty simple. Get off the field. Get somebody off the field. You, it doesn't matter. And you can't do that against Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson's going to score points. That's what he does, especially now that he has an offensive line. Well, it wouldn't matter anyway because it's not like the Chiefs are going to get to him. But, I mean, you, they have to figure something out there. I don't know what it is. It doesn't matter how good Mahomes is if he's on the sideline. So I'm concerned about the Chiefs right now. they got a lot of injuries. But uh, shout-out to the Texans. And, like, it's, it's so fun. That was a fun game to watch regardless because you did see Mahomes versus Deshaun Watson, which is going to be uh, lots of fun for many years to come. Um, but – Hopefully the Chiefs get it together. Loser power rankings. Loser power rankings. These are the losers, the losers of the week. All right. It's time for losers. Loser power rankings. Uh, we're going to have the Dolphins once again. Now, they're literal losers because they literally lost. But, you know, they had a little moment there. They were teasing. I really thought they were going to win this game. This was the game to win, obviously, playing uh, the, the the Washington team. They almost messed up the tank, but they came through uh, with the missed two-point conversion. So the tank is still on. Great drop. Uh, more importantly, uh, well, look. First of all, I hate tanking, so I'm not happy about that at all. I wanted them to win. I, I they, they benched Josh Rosen inexplicably for Ryan Fitzpatrick because they, they needed a spark, says Coach Flores. Then after the game, he says that Rosen is still a starter. Now he's saying he needs to see a little bit more in practice um, from Josh Rosen. It's the same nonsense with the Dolphins. There is no plan. Like, they're fooling you. They're fooling all of you. They're fooling everyone. There is no plan. They don't have any idea what they're doing. You don't bench – if you're actually tanking – why would you bench Josh Rosen if he's playing badly? Isn't that the point? Hello? Then you put Fitzpatrick out there. They almost mess it up for anyone who cares about them losing every single game, which I don't. And then the big plan is to get Tua. And I'm going to just say it now because this is how I really feel. I don't think that Tua is an NFL quarterback. Okay? And if he is an NFL quarterback and he goes to the Dolphins, I'm going to be right anyway because they tank <laughs> yeah. this year, so they're not going to be good next year. And he is not the quarterback that's going to turn the, the Dolphins franchise around single-handedly. So they need a lot more pieces than just Tua. So if he was going to be a franchise quarterback, Tua, you better hope that the Dolphins mess this up and you go somewhere else and you can prove me wrong. Because uh, I really want them to take Jalen Hurts. Nobody believes in Jalen Hurts but me, apparently, because people don't even talk about him as a top-10 quarterback. Um, I don't understand that, but uh, I, I'm, I would like – can you give me the list of the uh, Alabama quarterbacks that have done well in the NFL? Do we have that? Uh, I don't need to look it up. I think there's no one. Is Joe Namath, maybe? Did he go to Alabama? Joe Namath. Yeah. Oh. Joe Namath? Okay. Yeah, the guy with the uh, with the jacket. No, the, I he does jacket. wear a jacket. Yes, Joe um, Namath wears jackets. I love oh. Joe Namath. Joe Namath is – Joe jo- Namath is great. Joe Namath was playing football before I was alive. There's a couple others who are either contemporaries of Joe or before him. Bart Starr, Ken Stabler. Kenny Bart Stabler. Starr! Yep. I stand corrected. Bart Starr, Ken Stabler, and Joe Namath. So, if y- it's cool. 
Yeah. All right. That's yeah. how, that's my thoughts on that. Okay. As of recent, while yeah. we're, you know, not so much success uh, with the with the Alabama quarterback. So I I'll be a believer when I see it. AJ McCarron's um, a solid backup somewhere. I think I don't need a backup. I'm not <laughs> tanking for AJ McCarron. Brody Croyle had those uh, years. Two was uh, better than those guys, but regardless, we're not tanking for that. And then they got the Bills next week, so good luck with that. That's another hot L for you. Um, the Falcons are the worst. I, it's over. I won't speak on them again. Um, for the rest of the season, unless they do something like ruin someone's playoff chances. But, uh, I mean, we're done with we're, – we're, I mean, I don't know what happened. I don't have the answers, but we're just done with the Falcons. Uh, they're the worst. And um, all you have to do is beat the stupid Cardinals, and you messed up my picks. Uh, finally, <laughs> Winston and Mariota. So, to be clear, I was never a fan of either one of these guys. I did not think that either one of them were going to be game changers in the NFL. Uh, each of them for different reasons. But uh, it, please spare us another season of them. Like, I, I was really waiting to see if Bruce Arians could get Jameis into a consistent space. And it's not that either one of them don't have the ability to be good franchise quarterbacks, at least in Jameis's situation. He just cannot be consistent. Heller, so, okay. What, what do you got, Heller? Okay, so <clears throat> I want to – I read something that I thought was interesting when I pitched it to you, I didn't realize that this person, John Canzano, uh, writes for the Oregonian, so he's a little biased towards Mariota because he fine. went he if went to facts, Oregon, went to Oregon. But here's here's a here's a, what I thought was an interesting thought on Mariota: okay. coach fired, GM fired, replacement coach fired, ownership transferred, president out, coach fired, coordinator leaves, new coordinator leaves, new coordinator fired. Blame Marcus Mariota. Why not? The Titans are running out of moves. What do you say to that? I mean, I say that 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 sucks. Like that's a, that's a crappy situation to be in if you're Marcus Mariota. That said, uh, I, uh, fans don't care about that, and there's no column uh, on the wins and losses for uh, all the mitigating circumstances that led to you not being able to yep. play good football. So I, I don't. Regardless, what happens on the field is the final product, and there's lots of situations where where guys are in crazy circumstances like that i mean we could probably run down that list for the dolphins i'm sure the only team yep. really that's been aw traditionally awful that has consistency is the Bengals. so you can do that for the browns like there's there's lots of situations where that's guys get don't get the chances that marcus Mariota <laughs> has had despite all of that turnover so maybe it's not all his fault but yeah you know i think we're done here like i, I don't need to see any more from Mariota. I, I just Mariota is Tannehill. so if you like that everyone likes what they like i'm not judging but I'm done with Marcus Mariota and Jameis Winston. All right, time for the culture report. What's the tea, Keith? All right, so Gemini Man starring Will Smith hit theaters on Friday. People either really loved it or really hated it. What did you think about the film? Well, as I said at the beginning of this podcast, uh, I loved it. And uh, I liked it more than The Joker. And I, I don't care what kind of problems you have with it. Here's what I've decided about The Joker. Uh, it's not it's like a, it's like you can't it's one of those movies where like you can't say it wasn't good like like it's 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 against the rules to be like you know i didn't really enjoy the cinematography like it's like everyone said it's the greatest movie of all time so therefore you've got to say it i walked out of the film with earl and we had the same reaction which is okay we've got three major problems why is there no emotional connection to any of the black women in the film why is Thomas Wayne a jerk that completely kills the narrative of Batman altogether? And why'd you got to shoot Maury? Nobody wants to see Robert De Niro shot. Okay. So like those three things are major issues for me with the Joker and I can't get over them along with some other things that went on. But for the most part, it wasn't, a, I didn't really enjoy it. I like, I mean, it was a good movie and Joaquin Phoenix did an incredible job. He should get an Oscar, amazing performance, 
overall better film. But I walked out of Gemini Man and was like, that was fun to watch. I enjoyed myself. I didn't have to figure anything out. You know, it was very simple. I thought the graphic of, you know, young uh, Will Smith was very good, even though we know what young Will Smith looks like. And he didn't look like young Will Smith, but it was a really good graphic until, you know, at the, at the end, they had him out in the sun. I was like, you didn't have to put him in the sun. Like, we're good. Like, it was good. It was good action. Dare I say, a bit face-off-ish. Hmm. But again, once they got him outside in the sun at, at the end of the movie, it was like, ugh. It was kind of like when you go to the club, like you go get pizza after the club with your girls and you're like, oh, let's get to go. Yeah. We don't look good. Like we thought we looked good, but like you have some dirt on your feet and like we gotta go. Uh, your lash is coming up. We have no glue. Let's go. Um, but overall, I, I'm, I'm sorry. Like I just, I enjoyed myself more at the theater watching Gemini Man than I did the Joker. Absorb that however you will. Uh, I'll be that guy that said the Joker wasn't my favorite movie and Heath Ledger still did a better job. Still did a good job, Joaquin. I liked it, go ahead. So you wanna know what Martin Scorsese and Jennifer Aniston have in common? They are not fans of Marvel films. Aniston suggested the superhero brand is degrading cinema and Scorsese said superhero films are not cinema. They're entitled to their own opinion, but are they speaking facts? She said it wasn't cinema? What's cinema? Oh, okay, listen, I don't want to get crazy. First of all, don't be the person that outthinks fun, okay? Oh. Don't be that guy. Like, it's just fun. It's great we all enjoy it. Every generation can go and see this film. We can all have conversations about it. We can pick our favorites, and there's no one that's wrong. Uh, we all hate the same guy. Who would do that? Who would wipe out half the universe? You know, it's just good fun. Stop trying to be smarter than fun. You're not. You're not better than fun, okay? Everyone loves fun. There's a reason why every single one of these movies crushes all the records and forever will. Uh, we love smart too, all right? But it's like, life is hard, all right? And sometimes we just wanna watch the Hulk smash something. And don't judge me for that, okay? And nobody, we're all on the same page and like when the, these kind of like, you know, you wanna swim upstream, just pick something else, pick a different lane because Marvel movies are awesome. They're fucking awesome. And that's just all there is to it. So there's, there's, you're not gonna be smarter than Marvel movies. And Samuel L. Jackson already shut this down because he said like, everyone's entitled to their own opinion. You're right, you do have an opinion. You, you, can, you, you are completely available to be wrong. What's next? So Zoe Kravitz has been cast as Selena Kyle, AKA Catwoman in The Batman That Comes Out Summer 2021. There's already been an overwhelming support of the casting choice so far. Are you here for this? I love Zoe Kravitz. I love the whole Kravitz family. Um, the whole Kravitz family tree, uh, extended, married in. It's all great. And I'm so here for this. And I didn't know that Robert Pattinson, how did I miss this? How did I miss that Robert Pattinson, Robert Pattinson was playing Batman? We don't deserve this film. Okay, and I'm, I don't wanna get crazy here because I just kind of trashed the Joker, but I meant it. And I'm somebody who loves black hats and absolutely adores villains. But this might be the best Batman of all time. And I'm, I'm very skeptical of Catwoman. And that's Halle Berry's fault. But <laughs> but this, it, this isn't a Catwoman-centric film. She's playing Catwoman in the film. Because um, what's her name that plays everything? Um, and sometimes she's kind of irritating, but we all love her. Okay. Anne Hathaway. She did a good job. I liked her. And I was very concerned about how that was going to go. And, and, and she pulled it off well. She was like just the right amount of spice that it was believable. 1% over and it would have been canceled. But it was perfect. And so I love this. I love Zoe Kravitz. I'm here for this. It's going to be a great movie. I'm very excited. I had no idea Robert Pattinson was going to be in it. He's amazing. Um, I mean, who doesn't love Twilight? Right? He's done other films. But I'm excited for it. 
So yes, approved. All right, that's it this week for the Maybe I'm Crazy podcast. Thanks for joining us. Thanks to Jane Slater from NFL Network for joining us. We appreciate all her Cowboys knowledge. Um, and make sure that you follow on all of our social media pages at Maybe I'm Crazy Pod and sub- subscribe on YouTube at Maybe I'm Crazy Pod, Maybe I'm Crazy with Joy Taylor. And we are on Apple Podcasts, we are on Spotify, we are on SoundCloud, we are on YouTube, we are on the iHeartMedia app. So if you uh, don't like the way you were listening today, there's other options for you. Um, But we appreciate you joining us, and we'll catch you next week. Maybe I'm crazy, maybe I'm not.